0: sinner now saved, blood washed by the Lamb, my brother's a king, the Son of I Am. Sometimes I forget to whom I belong, then the sweet spirit cries, my child, I'm still on the throne. He's still on the throne, so what could be wrong, it is well with my soul, let the stormy winds blow, I'm reminded today, thank God I am saved, salvation sweet song while the ages roll on, he's still on the throne. Satan has power, and sometimes I'm weak, there's times I give up, and he walks over me, then someone comes by, with words loud and strong, arise my child, it is high, I'm still on the throne, and he's still on the throne so what could be wrong it is well with my soul let the stormy winds blow i'm reminded today thank god i am saved salvation sweet song while the ages roll on he's still on the throne And he's still on the throne, so what could be wrong? It is well with my soul, let the stormy winds blow. I'm reminded today, thank God I am saved. Salvation, sweet song, while the ages roll on, he's still on the throne. Salvation, sweet song, while the ages roll on. He's still on the throne.
1: Well, aren't you glad he's still on the throne, amen? That's good. Sometimes you, uh, if you're not careful, we, we can kind of have a tendency to start to wonder, amen? In the world we live and everything that's been going on, and my, oh my, if you're not careful, you get discouraged and kind of down in the dumps, you even get a little depressed, that's a, that's a rough one, where you look at the news and you see everything that's going on, but uh, praise the Lord, you know, we still have a God that's on the throne. Uh, he may not be uh, uh, taking control of every aspect of our world at this point, but he, he's still in control. He's allowing things to happen, and sometimes we may even wonder what in the world he's thinking, uh, but the fact is, he's got a game plan, and it's uh, much larger than we can wrap our minds around. And uh, He has a purpose for everything. We don't always understand it, but we can trust Him because He is God, and He's our God. Amen? All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, we're going to move along here in our series here on how to overcome sinful lifestyles and habits. And um, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning verse 24, uh, has been our springboard. We start there every week and kind of helps us to land where we need to land, or or should I say, start where we need to start, and uh, it says in verse 24, starting in chapter 9, verse 24, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize? So run that ye may obtain, and every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Now again, the Apostle Paul's writing, of course, and he's writing to the church at Corinth, and we know that that church was born out of a tremendously wicked culture. And here they are now, believers, and they're struggling in the, the race, they're struggling with their walk with God, and uh, we know that they had a number of gifts in the church, but on the other hand, they were also abusing some of those gifts and they were taking liberties in areas they shouldn't and so forth and so he addresses the church at Corinth and the writer the Apostle Paul under inspiration of the Holy Spirit talks about a race that's being run and he he, We see that in verse 24 and he recognizes that not only is there a race But again the goal is to win the race and boy is that something we need to do today And then of course there's the reward that he notes in verse 25. He understands that it's an eternal payoff It's not necessarily just one for today. Although, listen, there's no better life to live than the Christian life. And yet, on the other hand, the reality is is that we can't even imagine what we have to look forward to. As much as we can anticipate it through the scriptures and we can kind of try to do our best to imagine what God has in store for us, the reality is we can't possibly even comprehend how wonderful heaven will be. So we see the race, we note the reward, but we see his response His response in verse 26 is no less than just saying, you know what, I don't want to get sidetracked. I don't want to lose sight of the finish line. I don't want to get off course, if you will. And so then he moves on finally and says, so I'm going to make a resolution to myself. And basically his resolution is this. I'm going to make sure that I'm very careful to take steps to remain in the race and to finish my course, to accomplish what God's called me to do, to reach and obtain, uh, reach the finish line and to win the race. And so that was where the kind of the setting is, the scriptural position that we find ourselves. And we're talking about the fact that today it seems that, you know, if if we really want to finish the race strong, if we really want to uh, ultimately end up where God wants us to end up, then we need to take steps to be very careful with that. The, The fact is, Satan's out there trying to trip us up every day. And the reality is, is that you and I in this flesh are extremely weak and vulnerable, But God wants us to finish strong. And I believe today, if we're genuinely concerned about the Christian race and finishing strong, there's a few of these things that we want to heed and take note of. We said that the problem was the depravity of society. We noted the drought of Scripture and the depth of spirituality. And we said that, boy, I'll tell you what, we've got some real issues to overcome. Sin is running rampant in our culture, our society. The fact is is that the Scriptures aren't very popular, even amongst believers, it seems. And then we noted also that our spirituality is probably about two inches deep and about two miles wide. And as a result of that, we've got some real issues. If we're going to remain faithful, if we're going to stay solid, if we're going to finish strong, then we're going to have to really make some uh, changes maybe even in our own life to accomplish that goal. And so we started off, there's the problem. It's creating some issues, causing us to have a hard time to finish the race today. But what's the prescription? We said, first of all, number one, realize that your battle's a spiritual one. Number two, we said, avoid contact with your area of weakness. Number three, avoid relationships that would lead you astray. And four, and we've spoke on this the last time we were together, saturate yourself with the Word of God. Saturate yourself with the Word of God. Today, we want to begin now with number five. We want to begin with choose resistance and not the path of least resistance. If we are truly going to overcome sinful lifestyles and habits, then we're going to have to resist. That's just the reality of it. So let's have a word of prayer, and then we'll resist the temptation to fall asleep during service, and really listen and learn something that can be beneficial and helpful to us. Father, we love you. We need you. Thank you for these that have gathered tonight. Lord, we don't have a lot of time, but what little time we have. We need to focus on you, your word, and allow your Holy Spirit to Truly drive home truth. Now, Lord, we want to honor you tonight in our mind and in our thinking. And, Father, just even in our response to your word, thank you for that blessed book, the word of God. Thank you, Father, for just your son, Jesus Christ, and all that he means to us. Father, we just ask now that we would be faithful servants to listen and to allow you to speak to us and to, Father, give us marching orders. We need you in Jesus' name. Amen. So, number five, choose resistance and not the path of least resistance. Turn to James chapter 4, verse 7, please. James chapter 4, verse 7. A real familiar passage in one respect. And then again, it may not be familiar at all to you. Obviously, if uh, you uh, <clears throat> came and were coming to counsel with me as your pastor and you uh, were struggling with a sin in your life, uh, probably you would eventually hear this verse. This is going to be a verse that you will hear. James chapter 4, verse 7. It's one that we all need to be aware of and all need to exercise in our life. James 4, 7, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Now, I want you to notice something very important. It begins with submission. That's the key. I think that's so important. You know, we often talk about resisting, but it all begins with submission. Submission. See, the power to resist is predicated on the presupposition to submit. The fact is, is until you learn to submit to God, you'll never have the power and the ability to resist Satan. And unfortunately today, we live in a generation again where it's, you know, we're kind of that fast food mentality. I just want fixed because I'm uncomfortable. I'm miserable. Fix me. The problem is, fix my problem really is what the real issue is. Fix my problem, not me. But the fact is, is, that what God's really saying is, you're going to need the need fixed. You need to submit yourself to me. Well, that everything that goes with that—that's an amazing statement, really. Because if you really, and you and I really submit ourselves to the Lord, it affects our, our every every action. It affects our every attitude. It affects our our outlook on life. And and that's the problem. See, sometimes our very problems are not as big a deal as we even make them. Because if we would have God's perspective and mindset, we might realize that it's okay and that God's able anyway. And so there's so many aspects of this that are important. Now, resistance is, is, is vital. If we're going to... And, and, and again, I understand this whole concept. You know, we got we to gotta let go and let God. I understand that. And, 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 and I'll be the first to tell you that there's not one of us in the room, including myself, that can really deal and overcome sin in our own flesh and our own strength. I understand it. Willpower is not the answer to all this. I understand but let me tell you something. When you have the Word of God telling you to resist, then obviously God intended you for you to resist. Now, again, I, I, I'm not trying to say that it's going to be you that does it, but you're going to have to do it in the power and the spirit, in the strength of the Lord Jesus Christ. But there is an element of resistance. Now, if, if these two young men, come on up here, fellas. The two of you guys look like big. Just stand right in front, actually. I don't want you to destroy nothing up here. Got all these beautiful flowers now. Face each other. And 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 again, the the real goal is, and this is gonna be rough, don't don't hurt each other and, and kind of be kind about this. But if 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 Nate here's gonna to, gonna to, uh resist the the advances of our brother right here, then we got he's gonna to have to put forth a little bit of effort. It's not gonna be easy. Okay? So I tell you what, why don't you just go ahead and try to get to Brother Jake over there without going around, going through, okay, and don't get near my, my plants. <laughs> okay? Okay, go ahead, go. Okay, now, notice there's a battle. T- That's good, you're, you're messing with my point. But, but you know, did you see that real quick there? I mean, just real fast. Cody, Cody come after him, and went to go through him, and he resisted. Now, if he doesn't resist, it's no big deal. Just have a seat. And then he just goes on over. Now, listen, what the Bible's teaching us is, is that we're to resist Satan. Cody's a good picture, of illustration of Satan. And so, we're to resist him. We're to stand in front of Him. We're to put forth an opposition. We're not to just let Him run right on and run right through. The reality is today is in, in many Christian lives, I, I've heard people say things like this. You may be seated, brother. I've heard people say things like, well, when God takes away this desire, when God takes away this, these feelings, then I'll stop. I'll, I'll get rid of it. Then I'll deal with it. I'm waiting for God to deliver me. That's I hear people say that. You know, well, I, you know, I'm struggling with cigarettes. I'm just going to wait for God to deliver me. What does that really mean to you? What, did, did all of a sudden you're going to wake up one morning and go, you know what, I don't need these things. I have no desire for them at all. You know, I'm not lusting after women anymore. Oh, that's going to be good for your marriage. I mean, do you realize what you're really asking for when you ask some stupid things? You know, we tell guys, please help me not to have any desire for this or have any desire for that. And help me not to like pop. Help me not to like, this. what are you talking about? We've got to resist some things we, we love. That's the bottom line. you got to die to self a little bit. You've got to resist to some things. But it's good. God put those desires in your heart for a reason. But you're to use them on the right way. I mean, it's ridiculous. I'm not going to resist it. I'm just going to go ahead and roll with the flow till God takes away this, these lusts, this lust and his feelings. I mean, that's what people say to me sometimes. And I'm like, what? Wait a second. The Bible says... Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil. That means the, the, the temptations that he throws our ways. Resisting takes a lot of energy. It takes a lot of stamina. It's never easy, but it is and always will provide us with a very profound effect according to the Word of God. And that effect is simply this, that Satan will retreat. I mean, resistance produces retreat on the part of Satan. You want the Satan to leave you alone? You want the devil to kind of take a siesta? Then let me tell you something, you're going to have to resist him you got to resist him. When we resist Satan's advances, he flees from us. That's what the Bible's teaching us. And you know what? Some choose to retreat from Satan. We choose to back away from, from the devil. I'm just not going to fight this anymore. I can't deal with it no more. can't face it. can't function. not can't, can't, can't deal with this anymore. But that's not what the Bible teaches us to do. You can't avoid the struggle. You might as well just deal with it. It, it may seem to work on the onset, but in the end, it's only going to lead to destruction. So if there's an area in your life where you feel like you're overwhelmed or overcome with, with uh, sin or lust or an area of your life that you just seem to, you can't grab hold of, and you say, man, this is just a weak area of my life. I'm doing pretty good in all the others, but I'm just, I'm tired of fighting this one. I'm tired of, I'm just going to, I'm giving in a little bit. I, I just can't deal with it. It's frustrating. It's putting a lot of stress on me. and I feel so guilty and I, I'm just so ashamed and I just, thr-. that's a good thing. You ought to be fighting it. You ought to be really fighting it. You can't give up on that. You can't forget about it. Historian Shelby Foote tells us of a soldier who was wounded at the Battle of Shiloh during the Civil War. And uh, that particular soldier was ordered to go to the rear. And the fighting was so fierce that within just simply minutes, that particular soldier returned to his commanding officer and said, Captain, give me a gun. This fighting, it ain't got no rear. There's no rear to the battle, he said. Just give me a gun because I'm back here and the shells are still blowing up and and the, the bullets are still whizzing by. There's no rear to this battle. You're in the front lines all the time no matter what. Give me a gun. And you want to know something? There are no rear lines in the battle between us and Satan. It's only the front line. And you can't avoid this battle with Satan. If you avoid it, you are just submitting to your flesh. You're just saying to, to Satan, I give in. I'm running up the white flag to you. Have control of this flesh. Deal with me as you please. God, I won't submit to you at all. And I'm certainly not going to resist the devil. I'm tired of it. I can't do it no more. I, it, 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 it really bothers me a little bit, the attitude that we have toward, toward um, um, guilt these days. Nobody should feel... Don't make anyone feel guilty. You know, come on now. That's not good for their psyche. That's not good for their... You know, they'll grow up and they'll be scarred for life because you put guilt on... You know, just be careful. Somebody makes you know makes mistakes in your family. Don't make it such a big deal. You know, don't... It used to be, you know, the family name was so important. Now if they go out and sin publicly and openly and embarrass your name, don't worry about it. Just don't make a big deal of it because it's really, you're just going to hurt them and ruin their self esteem and you know what we've adopted that attitude in christianity we we're so so concerned. i should not feel guilty about anything why do i don't like being in church because i feel guilty sometimes well, that's a good thing to feel guilty in church sometimes when the preacher's preaching on sin and you happen to be dealing with that sin in your life. You ought to feel a little bit of conviction. That's a good thing. There's a little... There ought to be a... In the moment you stop feeling some of those things, you're going to stop resisting. As soon as you feel comfortable, that means you've ran up the right flag. I mean, how in the world... You know what? I, it used to bother me. He used to preach and say something about music and, man, that just drove me crazy. You know, I finally just forgot... Gave up on it and said, God, when you're ready to take it from me, you take it. Oh, so... You don't. It doesn't bother you a bit anymore. It sounded like to me like you ran a white flag up. You said, "I'm tired of feeling guilty, so I'm just not going to deal with it no more. I'm not going to even resist. I'm not even going to fight it. I'm not even going to face it anymore." What's wrong with that? Isn't there a problem with that? I don't think that we, th- we think there is anymore. I think in Christianity as a whole, we think kind of like the world does that everything should be all right, and it's really between me and God. It has nothing to do with anybody else. The only problem is, is that everybody knows what this book says that reads it. And everybody knows if it's right or wrong if they read it. And so everybody's looking at your life and going, that's wrong, and they don't care. And you say, well, that's none of their business. They can't judge me. They don't have to, he does. Yeah. It's like, there's not one of us in the room that would probably be like, well, you know what, I thank God for the witness of that guy over there in that bar. That Every day he goes to the bar, and when he has a beer, at least he witnesses to his friends. We'd all go, that's stupid. But we'll hold on to things that we know God doesn't want in our life. And we'll witness to people. We'll invite them to church. We'll hope they don't learn about certain things, or maybe we don't really care if they know. Because the truth is they're no better than us and we're no better than them and everybody's got their little pet peeve and everybody's got their little sin. So who cares? It's no big deal. I don't, I'm tired of feeling guilty so I'm just going to wait for God to do something. Resist. That's a biblical principle. And you know what? That resistance will take place to the day that, we, that this all ends. Look at Revelation chapter 12. It doesn't end. This is a continual front line battle. Look at Revelation chapter 12 verse 9. There's coming a day that that battle will end. And, you know, that's the difficulty in our lives because, let's face it, we get tired, we get weary. You know, It's difficult to keep fighting sometimes. You know, it's hard to hold on to the sword when you've been at it so many hours or so many weeks or so many months or so many years. You know, look at what it says here in Revelation chapter 12. The Bible tells us that there's coming a day when this will all be over. Notice, and the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. What's taking place here, obviously, it's tribulation time. And Israel's being chased out into the wilderness. And we have Satan now, in the person of the Antichrist, doing his work here. We see that Satan himself's being cast out of the heavenlies, ultimately. And that's where we find, actually, the middle of the tribulation period, when we have uh, the Antichrist that goes down with a wound, ultimately uh, resurrects, so to speak. And now, all of a sudden, he comes out a different guy. I mean, that's why we talk about... Great tribulation, tribulation, and then and again, when it's all said and done, tribulation's still pretty bad. So I don't think I'd look at it and say, well, that's an easy part and that's a hard part. I think it's all pretty tough. But nonetheless, um, the Bible teaches that he's resurrected now, and now all of a sudden, man, he is just on a war path. And this is where we find him here. And notice that great dragon, Satan up there in heaven, was cast out, cast out of the heavenlies, that old serpent called the devil. Notice, which deceiveth the whole world he's deceiving and that's what he's going to do till the day you die or till the day that he returns. Jesus Christ returns. He's going to be deceiving. He's going to be lying. He's going to be trying to trip you up and mess you up. That's just the reality. It's a front line battle. No one that calls themselves a Christian is secret service. Nobody's really behind the lines. Everybody's in the front line. Because Satan won't let you forget it. Verse 10 says, And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength, and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down. Well, let me tell you, don't think for a minute he's not accusing you before God. And so all I'm saying is, he's going to be deceiving, and he's going to be accusing every single child of God, and you're in the middle of a battle. You might as well face it. There's nothing simple or easy or comfortable about the battle, it gets uncomfortable. But notice in Revelation chapter 20, verse 10. Again, we know that that takes place in the middle of the tribulation. By then, you and I are raptured out. We're being judged at the judgment seat of Christ. But notice here, again, when it's all said and done, we know that Christ is going to settle the score. He's going to make it all right. Notice what it says here now in chapter 20, verse 10. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire. This is after the thousand-year millennium. He's locked up for a thousand years now. He's let loose again. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire. So we notice that there's going to be people still being deceived. People still being accused. It's going to be a mess. And here he is now. That devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. There's when he's finally locked up for good. But I tell you, when he's locked up for good, it's over with. It's done. No more accusing. No more deceiving. No more battle now. <clears throat> Notice Revelation twenty-one twenty-seven, And this is where we find ourselves. And there shall in no wise enter into it, talking about New Jerusalem. And by the way, the church is New Jerusalem. There shall be in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination, or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. <clears throat> Isn't that Now that's going to be good. I mean, think about that for a minute. Nothing's going to enter into that city that defileth neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie. Sounds to me like Satan's gone for good there. And that's exactly what happened. Satan's not around anymore. The battle's over at this point. Isn't that a wonderful thing? The battle will finally be over. But let me tell you something. The battle's not over now. It's not over. So resist, resist, resist. Resistance produces retreat, but it also promotes reward. Look in James chapter 1. Because we are in this battle, it's a given that we're going to have trials and tribulations. We're going to have temptations. Notice what the Bible says in James chapter 1, verse 2 through 4. It says, My brethren. Count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Now, before we go any further, notice verse 1. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad. The 12 tribes that are scattered abroad, obviously, refer to Jewish believers. Okay. Now, what we're going to find in the Bible is you find that there's a transition that takes place between the the Old Testament and the New Testament. We find that between the the law and, and grace. And so we see that transition taking place in the book of Acts. And then, and then, of course, we know here that there's a transition taking place between the church age and the tribulation period. And we noticed in, in the book of Hebrews, it's a transitional book as well. And you have the book of James, and then you have other books like this. In this particular case, I mean, if I'm a Jew and I'm on the run from Satan and I'm struggling with my life for my life in Christianity, and I come to a book that says, James is a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, I'm going to be looking at that one. Because that's me. I'm going to say, man, what's he got to say to me? Now, now what I'm saying is this. Not only did those tribes that were scattered abroad in the New Testament early on in the church age experience tremendous persecution, but these men and women that are going to be going into that tribulation period, transitioning from the the dispensation of grace right into the tribulation period again, they're going to be experiencing that same kind of persecution. And Satan, as we noticed in chapter uh, 12 of the book of Revelation, is going to be chasing them even out into the wilderness. So they're going to be on the run. They're going to be scattered as well. And here they are now in the midst of this mess. I mean persecution, losing family, losing loved ones, struggling to make ends meet, hardly able to eat, able to meet the needs of their family. Here they are, and James comes up to them and says, My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into divers temptations. Count it all joy. Count, count what joy? Count the fact that you're on the run? Count the fact that you're being killed and martyred and persecuted for your faith? Count it all joy that, that you're running from Satan into the wilderness and your family's starving to death because there's very little food and if it isn't for a supernatural God who's pouring down manna from heaven, you're going to die. Count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations. Knowing this, how in the world is that possible? Well, knowing this, he says, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. He's talking about the battle again. He's saying, resist. Don't give in. Don't surrender. Don't run up the white flag to Satan or the temptations or the trials or the tribulations you face. Man, stand up and be a man, be a woman for God, and go ahead and face Him head on and resist Him. And if you'll do that, and you'll do it with the right spirit, and you'll do it with the right attitude, He says, you'll fall. He says, the trying of your faith worketh patience. And notice verse 4 and let patience have her perfect work that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. He's talking about spiritual maturity here. Do you know the fact is, is when we stand and resist Satan, we grow spiritually. Do you know what happens when you sit on the sideline and just give up and run the white flag up and allow him to have his way in your life and just to rule your emotion, to allow your emotions to rule and allow your, your flesh to rule? There's no growing in the Christian life at that point. That's stagnant life. That's dead life. That's like that dead sea over there in Israel. Nothing in, nothing out. It's just dead. And that's not what God wants for us. He wants us to resist. Satan will try our faith, he, but we've got to resist his attacks to grow cold, to grow calloused, to grow even insensitive. We've got to resist becoming critical, cynical, or even conspiratory. Oh, everybody's out to get me. Man, I've got this figured out. It's a conspiracy. They hate me. Satan's going to try to attack you and um, turn you or make you bitter, unforgiving, and hateful. And you know what? You've got to stand up against them. You can't just say, well, you know what? I can't. You, you better resist. You've got to resist. Hey, listen, the real battle that we fight is not here. It's not out here. It's here. This is where the devil gets us. That's where it's all fought. It's in the mind. And that's where the battle takes place. See, a man doesn't a man doesn't do something wrong before he's thought about it. A man that robs a store has thought about it before he ever does it. He doesn't just decide one day, you know, I'm just walking down the street. I just got out of work today. I think I'll just go rob a store. No. He's thought it through. He's been thinking, man, I don't know what to do with my life. I don't know where I'm headed. I'm sick and tired of the man. I'm sick and tired of this. I'm tired of that. And all of a sudden, he's fed up. Man, I'm sick and tired of not having what I deserve. And I'm going to tell you, if I can't get it, I'm going to take it. He takes it. He's been thinking about it. Everything we do is premeditated. Who are we kidding? You say, well, there's this... Crime of passion. Yeah, there's a crime of passion. I'm not going to say that that we don't do some things we didn't expect to do. Let me tell you something. We've allowed our mind to go to places where that became possible, though. Yes, amen. All I'm saying is, is that we need to be very careful to resist while we still can, and we must. We've got to resist. Like many sheep ranchers in West Lexi, Montana, Mrs. Fowler, she tried about everything to stop those crafty coyotes from killing her sheep. She used these odor sprays, and she used electric fences. She even used what they called, uh, you know, we have scare crows, they have scare coyotes. You know, sticking them up there, you know, trying to scare coyotes away from themselves and all that stuff. Yeah, I always thought it was kind of crazy to put a a scare crow in a, uh, you know, scare a bird away. But, you know, I think it doesn't look like a guy to me. It does to them, obviously. But anyway, those little scare, those birds. But anyway, uh, here we've got a scare coyote. So anyway, she even went further. She slept with her lambs during the summer. She plays battery-operated radios near them. All kinds of things, noise, everything, to try to scare those coyotes. She corralled them at night. She herded them during the day. But it didn't matter. It just didn't work. She continued to lose lamb after lamb after lamb. Then she discovered the llama. I don't know if you've ever seen a llama. they got kind of long necks, and they're kind of weird-looking, actually, like many of the... I won't say church members, but nonetheless, kind of weird looking. And so here, here, here they were. Look, she discovered these llamas. The only ones I can really see is this front row. So, fellas, you know what I'm saying. It's kind of bad. But anyway, these llamas, she, she discovered the llama. And the llama is kind of a, it's a very aggressive type of an animal. It's, it's it, obviously, it, it's afraid of nothing. It seems that way, at least. I mean, <clears throat> when when they see something, a llama sees something, it, it stands right up, and it kind of, <laughs> and, and it and it moves right toward it. Like, you know, that's how that's how a llama functions. I mean, I've seen them. I I, I mean, I've, I've seen llamas do that. It's crazy. As soon as they see it, they kind of run right to it. And I'm thinking, are you kidding me? You know, I mean, it could be. A, I mean, it could be a forest fire, and they're like. Running right at it, you know. They're not afraid of anything, it seems like. They just run right toward that stuff. Well, that aggressive behavior, I mean, as far as the coyotes concerned, uh, they don't want nothing to do with that. And so, you know, coyotes being opportunists, uh, those llamas just take that opportunity away. And so she introduced some llamas, and all of a sudden, her sheep stopped coming up dead all the time. You know, we need to be more like the llamas a little bit when it comes to Satan, don't we? We need to just kind of stand right on up, poke our chin out and say, get thee behind me, Satan. No way, I'm not going to surrender to you. I'm not going to give up. I'm, I've got, Hey, listen, I'm like David here. I've got God right here. Let me tell you something. I'm not alone. We've got to resist. We've got to resist. Have you ever in your life, Remember not resisting. I mean, just in your own mind right now, think about that for a minute. Has there ever been a time in your life when you can think about, and maybe even, maybe, I'm not talking about before you're saved. I'm talking about since you've been saved. That there was an area, maybe it was an issue, or it was a, a, a something that you were convicted about, or a situation. A, a, normally, and, and listen, it's always this, mind you. It's not. Don't 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 think about. Yeah, I, yeah, you're right. I had to. I really struggled with. No, no. I'm talking about it's inside. Everything you deal with is inside. See, if Brother Nate over here calls me a bad name, says you're the worst preacher i ever had, you are a this and a that and everything else. He's not the problem if I get an attitude. I have the problem. See, this is where we understand every battle's in here. Yeah. And we say the heart, but the reality, it's in the mind. See, the truth is, I'm supposed to be dead anyway. That's right. I'm supposed to have died to self. So the truth is, he shouldn't be able to offend me anyway. Oh yeah. And the fact is, is that if I really believed, I was, if I was really as humble as I think I am, I would think I deserved that probably more than I didn't deserve it. I wouldn't be upset. How dare you? Why would I ever say how dare you if I don't think I'm worth anything? I'd be like, you're right. Yeah, that's probably, yeah, you're probably closer to the truth than not. But the truth is, we love ourselves so much. That's it. We really do. Yeah. And the truth is, Satan comes along and he'll utilize circumstances or situations or others, or maybe even just our emotions, and he'll feed us these lies, as we said. He'll accuse us before God, and we'll turn around, and in our minds, we'll, we'll give in to those feelings and we'll give in. To those ideas and thoughts of ours. We won't bring them into captivity like 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 3 through 5 says. Instead, we'll allow them to fester and grow. And that is running a white flag up, and that is not resisting Satan. No matter how hurt you feel, that is not resisting the tempter. That is running the white flag up, sitting in that chair while Satan runs right through your life and makes a mess of it. I I want to encourage you today. I want you to think about your life. And not just what you do. I want you to think about how you feel. Your thoughts. Because when it's all said and done, Satan wants to rule your mind. If, If he can get this, he'll control this. And I want to encourage you to ask yourself questions along the way. Am I allowing Satan to play in my my mind? Am am I allowing this mind to be his playground? Or am I resisting him when he places those thoughts in my mind that don't belong there? And I'm not just talking about lustful thoughts. I'm talking about thoughts of feeling victimized. I'm talking about thoughts of feeling like the world's against me and I'm a nobody or a big zero and feelings like, you uh, you know, God, he's just... He's not really there for me when I needed him. And I mean, just all kinds of thoughts, you know. Or that guy's a jerk and I don't like him because he looks at me funny or he said this or did that. And eh, 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 eh. that's your fault. You got a problem with him, go talk to him like a man. Don't just be bitter and angry at him. And it's the same thing with you ladies. I mean, it's your mind. This is where you've got to control. And that's where God wants to resist Satan. In our mind. So resist him, alright? Let's do our best to resist Satan. Because if you want to overcome sinful lifestyles and habits, you can't say yes to the devil. Every time you have a thought, a feeling, a desire that goes contrary to this book, his word, you have to put the brakes on Satan. Uh-uh. That doesn't belong here. Obviously, Satan's trying to get a stronghold in my life. No. I'm not going to let you have fun in the playground of my mind. This is not your playground. This is God's playground. Get thee behind me. Get out of here and resist him. And you know what he'll do? We read it. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. And that's something. He's pretty powerful, but he'll flee from you if you'll resist him. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we come to you. We thank you again for this just a simple thought that we had tonight. And Lord, I know that we're taking a lot of time in this area, and but Lord, I do believe in my own heart it's something I need. And Lord, I would imagine others would need it as well. Help us to resist Satan. Lord, He does play with our minds. He does try to get us upset and upheaved and disenfranchised with you and upset with others and Lord he seeks to try to somehow control our thoughts and our emotions and allow them to turn toward wrong instead of right and Lord so many times Father we may be doing the right things on the outside but we got it all mixed up on the inside and Lord honestly the outside won't be able to continue to go forward for you in the right direction or the right way if we don't have the inside fixed so help us Lord to resist Satan Resist those every thought that He casts into our heart and mind that doesn't align itself with You and Your Word. Oh God, help us to submit to You first and resist the devil. We'll thank You and praise You in Christ's name. Amen. Let's all stand. Every head bowed, every eye closed. The music plays. Without a doubt, people can hurt us. We're not going to contest that. We're not going to say it's not true. But... How we deal with that will determine whether we grow in Christ or whether we are controlled by Satan or allowed the Holy Spirit to rule and lead us. The joy that we are supposed to have in the Christian life is often totally dependent on how we address those kind of things in our life. It's about our feelings. How is it that one person can have all the money in the world, it seems, would appear to have the perfect family everything and anything they'd ever really want it would seem and another person has terminal cancer and yet that person with terminal cancer can wear a smile and that other person is miserable 24-7 how's that possible? it's all possible because of what we just talked about Don't just give your life to the Lord. Give your mind to Him first.